Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, don't expect less from Algier. Don't put too much into this series. And what's the difference about Arthur? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app as well. And give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So, obviously, a lot of massive buzz around Bijan Robinson coming into the season. You know, everything from offensive rookie of the year to he's going to lead the league in rushing to he's going to have, you know, the greatest rookie season in the history of mankind and everything basically, you know, in between. But, you know, we may be sleeping a little bit on the role that Tyler Algier is going to have for this team. Now, Algier had a magnificent year last year when you look. He only started seven uh, seven games last year, 210 carries for 1,035 yards and the three touchdowns, while he averaged five 4.9 yards per rush, and I think it was, what, 3.6 yards after contact. So when you look at what this offense is going to be, don't sleep on what Algiers' contributions or what his numbers are going to be. There's no real reason for Algier to take a step back. I mean, again, if you look at 210 carries in only seven starts, there's no real reason to think that. And again, I know we played 16 games, but there's no reason to think that he can't be a thousand yard back where he's still going to be at times the feature back. And what I say about that is just because the way that they're going to use Robinson isn't just as a traditional lineup in the eye type of running back. Like they will have Bijan Robinson playing in all different parts of the field. So again, and we've talked about, you know, that it's no mystery. They're going to use him a lot in the passing game. So his total yards and things may be, may be higher than, you know, again, the, the, that, that's the part that will, that that's the part that will get him a lot of accolades and, and things like that. But, there's no reason to think that Tyler Algier can't be a thousand yard running back in this offense. Look, instead of having Derrick Henry accumulate 400 carries and run for 12, you know, 2000 yards or whatever like that, there's no reason to think that Bijan and Algier can't split that duty up amongst the two of them and both be thousand yard running backs. And that, and I've said this consistently that I think your hot take for the year you know, isn't Robinson leading the league in rushing? Because I don't think they're going to give him enough of that opportunity. Not because he's not a good player, but they're just not going to give him enough of that opportunity. I do think, though, that Algier and Robinson will be thousand-yard running backs in this offense. And even if that means Bijan is a whatever thousand and ten-yard running back over the course of seventeen games, then still is a thousand-yard running back at the end of the day. 
But don't sleep on what Tyler Algier means to this offense. In a lot of ways, he still is their lead running back. He's still the guy that's going to grind out a whole bunch of yards for this team. And again, the, the numbers are pretty remarkable. The fact that, yes, he played 16 games, but he only started seven times and he only accumulated 210 carries and he averaged almost five yards per carry. So again, maybe Robbins or sorry, maybe uh, Algier, you know, and he last year he had 16 receptions for 139 yards. Maybe that's about where the number for him is. And if you look at some of the carries that were distributed last year, 144 <clears throat> for Cordero Patterson. To be honest with you, I could see that number going down by 100 carries. That they don't use Patterson as much. They maybe increase a little bit of his load in the work in the uh, passing game, where he had 31 targets on 21 receptions last year. I could see the carry number go down, but the reception and target number go up. Marcus Mariota, he had 85 rushes last year. Obviously, Desmond Ritter, while he's mobile, probably won't accumulate that. So again, even if you're talking about, say, even 20 or 25 rushes, then that's going to be 20 or 25 carries that are either going to be distributed to an Algier or a Robinson. And Caleb Huntley had 76 carries last year in the offense. Okay, that's probably, you know, again, a number that's going to be distributed to the two running backs. Avery Williams had 22 carries last year. Obviously, Avery Williams isn't here this year. So that may be the carries that uh, Cordero Patterson gets. So, again, I definitely think that Algier is going to have a big role in running the football and kind of being that lead back. And especially because, look, we've seen Arthur not be – as quick on the draw to push his rookies out to start making plays right away. Look, even Kyle Pitts, who was the number four overall pick, highest drafted tight end in, in NFL history and all that kind of stuff, he worked him slow into the beginning of the year in the offense. You know, there were times when we didn't see him on third down early in the early in the year. And and they worked him into the offense and didn't overload him. So I expect the same thing out of Robinson. But Algier is is still set to have a really good season. And again, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't haven't gone through the numbers to look and see, but how many times have we had <clears throat> have we had back-to-back thousand-yard rushers? I know Devonta Freeman did it in 16 and 17. I know Michael Turner did it in, in 08, 09, and probably even 10 and 11 and 12, you know. But again, we don't have guys that typically have been consistently running for a thousand yards in this offense. No reason to think that Algier can have a big role in this. Like I said, I mean, maybe his numbers stay pretty flat from the passing game aspect of it because they look at, at Robinson as a guy who you get him out in space, he can accumulate more yards in the passing game. But certainly that there's a big role for Tyler Algier to be had. Look, it's going to be fun with Patterson, Robinson, Algier, the way that they use all of these guys. And I expect at times that all three of those guys will find themselves on the field. You know, I think Patterson becomes more of that wide receiver slot guy that's catching passes. He may be, quote, unquote, designated as a running back, but I think the carries start to minimize. You know, again, 144, I, I could easily see 100, 120 less carries for him. And that's not because he's a bad player or anything like that. 
It's just the nature and the flow of the offense. If you told me that Cordero Patterson had 30 carries and say 40 receptions, I'd be fine with that. He's still going to be a player in this offense. And, and if you told me that Algier had the same 210 carries that he had last year, I would tell you that he's still going to run for a thousand yards, especially behind this offensive line. So while all the hype is obviously around Bijan Robinson and, and all of the hoopla and all that, and, and for good reason, I mean, again, people are talking about he's the best running back prospect to come out since Adrian Peterson and, and all this good kind of stuff. Like I said, I don't believe he's going to lead the league in rushing. I don't think he's going to get that kind of opportunity. I think he's going to do more things in the offense besides just running the football. Because, again, if you're going to lead the league in rushing, you're going to be a dedicated – I mean, again, you're going to burn your running back out. Not everybody's built like uh, Derrick Henry. Not everybody can you know run for 400 carries, or you're just going to burn the tread completely off that tire. If you're going to lead the league in rushing and be a focal point of your passing game, I, I don't see all of that happening. So, again, don't minimize the contributions that Tyler Algier is going to have in this offense. Again, I will say, I think that both guys end up running for 1,000 yards in this offense. They may not run for 12 or 13 or 1,400 yards, but I still think both guys find a way to get over 1,000 yards rushing. And we'll be the, you know, the, the first Falcons team to do that since Warwick Dunn and Mike Vick. So, again, I think Algier is going to have a big role in what this offense does, and especially being the lead back running the football. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and as we get ready for NFL season, it's coming up on Thursday. It's a week from yesterday. Listen, FanDuel's got you covered as America's number one sports book. So right now, if you're a new customer to FanDuel, you can go in and bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all new customers who bet the $5, they'll also get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So what a package that is. $5 bet gets you $200 in bonus bets and $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. And now's the best time to join FanDuel as we're getting ready for the NFL season. It's an app that's super easy to use, safe, secure. You can bet on everything from player props, scores, more, everything in between. Now is the best time to join. So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. Bet $5, get $200 in bonus bets and $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. So it was a really good win for the Braves last night. Strider went to 16-4 and four on the season. He was good enough, right? Six innings, four runs, nine strikeouts. He was good enough to uh, you know accumulate the win. Lance Lynn gave up seven runs, including a grand slam to Ronald Acuna Jr., who becomes the first player in Braves history to have 30 homers and 60 RBI. But I will just say that this series is, while it's fun, in the grand scheme of things, really isn't drastically important. Like, I don't believe that this is a series that is oh, for the number one overall seed. Eh. And with the Braves winning last night, you know, obviously 
they're not going to, they, they can't even tie with the Dodgers, you know, as far as number one seed, the Dodgers came in four games behind Atlanta and now Atlanta's won the first game in this series. But really when you look at Atlanta's schedule, the rest of the way, okay. Once they get home and, and from the Dodgers, they come home and play the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. Cardinals are in last place. They're a dreadful team. The only reason that the Pittsburgh Pirates aren't in last place is because the Cardinals are worse than them. So you got them at home. They stink. Obviously, Philadelphia, that'll be a fun series. you know. But again, it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things because the division's over. The Miami Marlins, they're, they're toast. Three games in there. You get four games, or sorry, three games at home with Philadelphia. And then the rest of the schedule, when you start on the 21st and go to October 1st, You've got four games at Washington, three at home with Washington, with a series with the Cubs sandwiched in between. So you look at seven of the last 10 are against Washington, and then you've got basically the two teams that are in the bottom of the division for the NL Central with St. Louis and Pittsburgh. Again, it's not a very difficult schedule. Uh, it, it doesn't set itself up to be a very difficult schedule, even no matter what happens in L.A. So while it's fun and, and it's cool and, you know, people will use it as a measuring stick or whatever, it, it really isn't that important. Again, even if the Braves had lost 0-4 and they come back home and tie for the best record, you know, in the National League and now they're competing with the Okay, you're playing a lot of last place teams. You're playing a lot of vagabond teams. You're playing, you know, trash teams. You know, other than Philadelphia, who's fighting for a playoff spot, that's it. Pirates, Cardinals, Washington, Fishnets. Like those teams are really nothing right now. So, again, worst case, if the Braves had lost all four games, you still find yourself in a situation where you can very much be the number one seed overall in the national league. Now, look, maybe that's, you know, a big thing, but again, I would rather be the number one seed than the number two seed. Both teams are going to play at home. Um, But this series with the Dodgers, while it's fun, you know, maybe doesn't mean as much. And look, obviously nothing in the division is, you know, going to be on the line or anything like that. I mean, it's certainly a far cry from what last year was when, coming down the stretch, every game mattered and every game was important and this, that, and the other. But this year, with the division being a blowout the way that it is and the Braves being, you know, now five games up on the Dodgers, okay, Braves are just going out there and taking care of their business. They're just going to keep mashing their way through the regular season. They'll mash Pittsburgh. They'll mash St. Louis. They'll mash the Nationals. You know, and they'll just keep doing what they do. And again, I will say, Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be the MVP of the league, and I do believe that Spencer Strider, if he gets the 300 strikeouts and he leads the league in wins, because, again, he's looking at 20 wins and three said and done. So, again, while it may be fun and it may be exciting to play the Dodgers and everything that goes along with it, in the grand scheme of things, this probably doesn't mean a whole lot and probably means even less now that the Braves won last night over the Dodgers to ensure that they're not coming home, you know, in a worst case scenario tied with LA for the best record in the league. 
Now the Braves have a game in hand, and we'll see what happens. I mean, again, I know that the Braves want to use this as a measuring stick and, and see what they look like against the Dodgers, and, and I get all of that. And for, again, fans, it's it's fun to, to see how we line up against the Dodgers because that's our number one arch rival right now, right? In the world of Major League Baseball, our number one arch rival is the L.A. Dodgers. That's the team that we've battled in the playoffs and, you know, <clears throat> obviously had all kinds of wars with. But right now, the way that this is being set up where the Braves have, you know, have now they have a five game lead, but they had a four game lead going in against the Dodgers and they have a, a really weak schedule the rest of the way through. And what will be interesting to see is how much Snicker, as obviously this division is over, how much does he work some guys in, rest some guys, set up his rotation, all these different things to see, you know, to get themselves ready for a playoff run in baseball. And obviously now as the calendar has just moved into September, there'll be September call-ups and things. <clears throat> so it will be interesting to see because, again, they're not in a divisional race. There's no there's no urgency, you know, for the division. They don't necessarily need to play all of their starters every single day, day in, day out. It will be interesting to see how Snicker handles this last month of the season is October 1st. We head into the play, or you know, the, I should say the regular season wraps up, and then it'll be playoff time after that. And then the Braves will be waiting because, again, they have to have the little short whatever series um, before they play the, the number one seed. So, again, it's fun, you know, but, again, it probably doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things other than just for fans to say, hey, listen, we've beat our arch enemy, the Dodgers, and we'll see what happens, you know, from there. But when they come back home, the schedule really lightens up. No more Dodgers, Padres, you know, nobody like that. It's it's a bunch of last place vagabond types of teams that the Braves are going to play. All right, as you uh, listen in and hitting hard, make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. Let us know you're an everyday listener to the program. So drop us a note, drop us a line that lets us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to say, you're listening in five days a week to the show. So what's the difference about, you know, Arthur Smith? And, and I thought that this was, you know, interesting for, for what it was. Um, you know, Arthur Smith talking about, obviously, look, there are definitely expectations and things that come along with year three um, as this is a three-year plan and getting this franchise on track and making a difference and things like that. But here's a quote from Arthur. And I'm going to read you a couple of quotes from Arthur Smith, what he said the other day, quote, what I appreciate about the guys we have is these guys have a real lead. They have real leadership traits. That's not some phony narrative that people try to hype to justify certain things. These guys are real. That's what allows you to go on and have a practice where it doesn't feel like I'm telling guys to focus like I'm a peewee coach. And then he goes on to say that when you've got the right group of guys in the focus, the focus has been there every day. It's never going to be perfect, but that's what you appreciate. You think you have it, but until you go through it, for, go through six weeks, you don't know. But that's part, that's the, that's, but that's but that part's made my job a lot easier. And look, this is the thing that I appreciate about Arthur Smith, okay? And I've met Arthur Smith. I've had a chance to talk to him multiple times. Again, it's not phony baloney. 
you know, and, and I'll, I'm going to take my shot. So this is your obligatory shot at, at Dan Quinn. There was a lot of phoniness with Dan Quinn. And I don't mean he is a human being is a phony, but what he tried to sell us on was a bunch of phony baloney, rock and roll, good time nonsense. You know, again, do right longer, fast and furious, hunger games index, the bears loose, embrace the suck. Like again, that message got really stale over a period of time. Now, why did it last as long as it did? Because his quarterback had an MVP season. He found the right offensive coordinator and everything worked out. And we were in the Super Bowl. We weren't in the Super Bowl because of Dan's coaching. I can assure you that. Again, in, in a in a six-year period, Dan had three seasons where he had five, a five-game losing streak. That's not easy to do in the NFL unless you're one of the worst franchises in the league. So he, he had a way to, to have three five-game losing streaks in a six-year career at the helm. That doesn't happen to usually Super Bowl teams. You might have one of those, but three? So, again, I appreciate Arthur Smith and the players that he has. Look, the Grady Jarrett's, the Calais Campbell's, guys that are real leaders on this football team, right? Guys that, guys that are true leaders, they're not phony baloney types of guys. And they made a point to bring in these kinds of guys, you know, as well. I mean, obviously, Grady's been here, but the idea of a Calais Campbell who looked at this franchise and said, this is where I want to be. This is this is the team that I want to play for. And, and, and when you just when you listen and you talk with Arthur Smith, you get the sense of, you know, how real he is. Right. I mean, there's not a lot of phony baloney that's attached to Arthur Smith. And when he talks about the leadership of these guys and, and again, we're not perfect and we're trying to, you know, get better every single day. Like you believe that kind of stuff and, and you believe it without the idea of, Hey, again, it, it would be one thing if Arthur Smith came out and said, look, we're not perfect. We're trying to get better. The bears loose. What? Huh? I, and that that's, and that's what we got from the last guy. Well, you know, we're trying to grow every day and the bears loose. And we got to do right longer. What? Huh? What? And we have a really high Hunger Games index for, you know, what we're doing out there. What? Huh? What? Huh? Excuse me? Excuse me? Baking powder? That's what we got from the last guy. You know, that, that, and look, it, it was fine for a while when you win. But when things don't all go your way, you saw how quickly it tanked. We weren't coached very well before, um, before that Super Bowl season. We were not coached well after the Super Bowl season. We just had a player that stepped his game up to an elite level. Think about that. I mean, Matt Ryan stepped his game up to an elite level, elite MVP level, 35, 37 touchdowns, whatever it was, an elite level. And when you have that from a quarterback, you will go really far in the NFL. Again, we've talked about, I, I've broken down the numbers on my radio show. Start with 19. Go, go, do yourself a favor. Go through, start in 1979 with the MVP of the league, which is Terry Bradshaw. Start in 1979 and go forward to today and see where, when a quarterback wins the MVP of the league, see where that quarterback finishes. I, look, just, just start. I mean, you can do the same exercise that I did. Start in 1979, start with, Terry Bradshaw winning the MVP and then move forward and, and go every year that a quarterback wins 
the wins the MVP of the league, where does that quarterback finish up? Most of the time, it's Super Bowl and NFC, you know, NFC AFC championship game. So obviously, Matt Ryan lifted this franchise up, despite what Dan Quinn couldn't do. And, and that's what I like about Arthur Smith is just you get a real guy, you get a football coach, right? I mean, again, the fact that Dan Quinn was being talked about to be an NFL head coach because they drafted an, an, a generational type of player tells you about how good Micah, it tells you about how good Micah Parsons is and how good Matt Ryan was that people look at Dan Quinn and think that he's any kind of head coach to have in the NFL. So again, I appreciate Arthur kind of the no nonsense kind of the, you know, not, not trying to put out catchphrases, not trying to overhype and things like that. That is, it, it's, again, it's it's all rudder and it's no sale. Like, it doesn't just kind of vary. Well, you know, the Bears lose and we got to do right longer and we got a high Hunger Games index. The message has been pretty clear and straightforward. That this is a football team that's going to be tough, physical. We're going to do a lot of things. He's obviously a creative mind on offense. And now he's got a lot of weapons to work with on offense. And again, if it doesn't work out, and if it and if it fails miserably, then so be it. It will fail miserably. But I don't think it's all going to be because of what Arthur Smith has done. I think Arthur's a good coach. I think he's I don't do I think he's an elite coach? No. I don't think he's an elite coach yet. But he could be. And if this team gets its way, you know, and they figure out where we need to be and now that he's got a roster that he can coach up, yeah, maybe Arthur Smith can can make that next step up into the elite world. Again, usually when you talk about elite coaches, you got to be Super Bowl. So again, I, I believe in Arthur Smith. I trust in what his vision is. I like what I hear from him. When I've had a chance to talk to him, I believe in what he says. And again, I think we're going to be better for it. I, I feel like for now that, again, and I've asked about this for years, that when we stand, when we have our football team out there, do we have an advantage on the sidelines? Do we have an advantage on the sidelines? And for the first time in a long time, I feel like we have an advantage on the sidelines. That when we go into a game, we can scheme and change up and do what we have to do to be able to win that game. I feel like for the first time in a whole bunch of years that we have a guy that on the sidelines gives us an advantage. That's what I've wanted for a long time. All right, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a note on whatever podcast platform that you listen on that you're an everyday listener to the program. So drop us a comment, drop us a line, let us know that you're an everyday or five days a week into the show. <clears throat> we ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app as well and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH. Three one six. We'll prepare for you know Falcons' first game coming up here on Monday. It's been hitting hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. 